church. Feels like a while since I've been at the front and spoken. I don't know how long it's been, but you've got me three weeks on the trot now to make up for it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I don't usually get nervous. A few people ask me sometimes when I speak, do, do I get nervous? And I don't usually, but today I am, so I don't know why. Um, I don't know if it's because it's a three-week series, so it feels a bit more pressure um, <laughs> to, to do that adequate preparation with God and, and get, make sure I'm speaking his words and not mine. But yeah, I do feel a little bit nervous, but we'll, we'll go for it. Um, so I'm really, really excited to be starting a, a three-week series this morning. This is something a little bit different for us at, at church. Um, and I've been an advocate of um, sermon series for, for quite some time now. Um, I'm aware of other churches that, that do this. And it, for me, it allows the speaker to go just a bit more deeper into a topic and allows God to really minister to his people over um, a stained, sustained period of time. Um, and I'm aware um, that I've suggested this approach sometimes in church business meetings. So when Helen asked me to take this series, it was a bit like, come on, Joe, put your money where your mouth is now. <laughs> Um, so um, we'll see how this goes um, and I'm, I said at the prayer meeting last week I might track attendance over three weeks um, and, and see how we get on uh, and I'm also very aware that on the third week that the 28th there could potentially be a local derby kicking off at 11.45 um, so let's pray that Brentford beat Wolves <laughs> this week um, so I'll have your undivided attention um, in that third week um, I'll start by just sharing an overview um, of what this series is going to be covering. Um, and I feel like God has really put this on my heart to get us all thinking, myself included, about how we can grow in our relationship with God over 2024. Um, I firmly believe that God never wants his people to become complacent in their relationship with him. Um, and in order for us to become more like Jesus, we really need to be prioritising spiritual growth. Interesting that Mark spoke on a very similar theme at Choosy Together. And actually this morning, um, a church that I've, I've been to previously down in Stevenage, um, they're starting a series today, which is more for 2024. Um, I, I don't believe that's a coincidence. I think actually that God sometimes has a, a word, not just for one particular church, but for, for all of his, his people. Um, so it feels like that that might be a theme for, for God's people this year. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1 talks about growing in faith, and it says that we must make every effort to expand our knowledge. Um, and the more we grow like this, the more useful and productive we will be as servants of God. Verse 9 in that chapter says that those who fail to do so are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So what that's telling us is that we need to work hard to grow with God if we're to be useful servants of Christ. Each and every one of you, I really believe, will have a different response um, to this series, depending on where you're at in your relationship with God at the moment. Um, but I believe that wherever you're at, God wants you to grow this year. And through his Holy Spirit, over the next three weeks, he'll make very clear to you where it is that he wants you to grow in your life. And I pray that as we go through this series, not only will you be encouraged, but I hope you'll be challenged as well. Pray that you'll be prompted to go away and really spend time in God's presence asking him how he wants you to develop your faith this year. And, you know, the development of faith is, is not this one-time event in our lives. Um, it's this continuous way of life. And God's desire for each of us is that we grow in faith as we walk with him. And it says, to grow in Christ is to deepen our relationship with him. Colossians 2 verse 7 says, have your roots planted deeply in Christ. 
Grow in him, get your strength from him, and let him make you strong in the faith as you have been taught. Your life should be full of thanks to him. So be planted deep in Christ, church. That's essentially the purpose of this series, that as we spend time exploring God's word, God's promises, the truths, we'd grow in him, and that as we progress throughout this year ahead, we'd stand firm in the faith as we have been taught, holding tightly to those biblical truths that are essential for spiritual growth. So I'll give you a quick overview of what we'll be doing over the next three weeks. Um, So part one, um, today um, we'll be thinking about the importance of God's word um, and not Knowing only knowing not only who God is, but who God says we are as his children. So today we're really going to be thinking about the importance of knowledge and increasing that knowledge in order to become more constant in our love for God and our obedience to him. Uh, and the reason that I'm starting with this focus is because actually knowing the word of God, knowing who God is and who we are in him, I think is foundational for spiritual growth. And it's so important that we know the significant value that God places on knowledge before considering the next two topics. So next week, as we get to part two, um, we'll be focusing on growing in God's grace. I've already had apologies from Carol and Howard, so they'll be getting my notes next week. Um, If anyone else wants to send apologies for any of the weeks, you're more than welcome. But I will check that you've listened to the podcast (laughs) or read the notes. Um, So we'll be focusing on growing in God's grace. Um, and being secure in the new covenant, I'll be talking a bit more about what the new covenant a- actually means. I'm really excited about next week, actually. Not that I'm not excited about today or, or the third week, but in terms of preparation, that's the one where just revisiting God's word and, and reflecting on the consequences of what Jesus dying on the cross has been really, really um, good for me to, to go back and look at that. So next week should be really encouraging. And then finally, part three, um, we'll be looking at growing an eternal perspective. So thinking about how we ensure our thoughts are always pulled to heaven, how we can build an eternal perspective of our worldly circumstances, and then also looking at what God tells us about heaven and how we prepare for that um, whilst we're here on earth. So that's your series overview. Um, Yeah, it's been really fun pulling it together, actually. So some excited faces. Phil looks very excited. Um, hope, Hope you all are about just going through this journey with me. So we'll we'll get started with part one then. So I want to have a look at what God says about knowledge and particularly the importance of knowing God's word. And I'm just going to talk through a few verses that might be very familiar to you, but I think it's important to just revisit the significance that God places on on the Bible, on his word and the biblical truths within that. So the first verse I want us to look at is Psalm 119, verse 105. Um, when I sent the slides over to Phil last night, I had a text back saying, you've picked my favourite verse. Um, so this is Phil's verse. Um, and it's one that you'll be very familiar with. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. And what that, that verse is really telling us is that if you're looking for guidance, the word of God is that divine flashlight that will provide direction um, and guidance, whatever you're seeking to do in life. It's interesting, if you look at the, the Hebrew word for light, I don't know if any aren't quite looking at Hebrew words and, and what they mean and how it translates um, sort of into words that we use in society today. I'm a big fan of Susie Dent um, on Countdown. If you've ever, I love Countdown and the word corner. And actually next week, I've got a Susie Dent um, word <laughs> next, next week to go through. Um, but the Hebrew word for light is or, I, th- I think that's how you pronounce it. And it can also be translated as to be um, or to become light. 
And actually the word awe in Hebrew is where we get the word orientation from. Um, and I, I don't know if anyone ever did orienteering at school. Um, I, I loved orienteering. Um, and some of the conversations we have in our house is, oh, if you had to represent this country in the Olympics, what sport would it be? And I know it's not an Olympic sport, but mine would be orienteering, because um, I do. <laughs> I used to love that um, in PE. Um, and I actually thought I was quite good at orienteering, um, but Adam did have to point out to me the other night that when we did orienteering it was in over, at school, it was over Clent, and I know Clent quite well, so that just defeats the, the purpose of actually having to use a compass and a map to get round. Um, so I might need to try it in the middle of nowhere. Um, but orientation, um, that word by definition, um, is the action or orienting someone a specific position or direction. And that's why God's word actively draws comparison to being a lamp, um, to being a light to our feet. Um, we often navigate paths in life that feel very unsettling or unfamiliar, and we can become unsure of what direction that, that we're actually going in. But it's a promise of God that we can always rely on him and his word to lead us through every circumstance the word of God not only illuminates truth about his character and who he is, but his word provides a direction for our life that is always trustworthy. And it's really important that we grasp that, that the word of God is a trustworthy guide for us in our lives. Better than a sat-nav, because I always get lost with my sat-nav. Um, the next verse I want us to look at is Romans 15 verse 4, and it says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So what is written in God's word is written to give us fresh hope. Fresh hope of what is yet to come. We know that endurance, encouragement and hope comes from truly knowing God's word. Think back to some of those well-known accounts in, in the Bible. Laura prayed um, about sort of those stories that we used to learn from the Old Testament the story of Joseph, betrayed and hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, thrown into prison. And you sometimes think, well, how is that relevant to my life now? Think about it. if you've got difficulty in your family, you've been falsely accused. There's an amazing God who can bring you out, rebuild relationships and promote you to a far greater purpose. Think about David. He sinned big time. You might think that the things in, that you've done in your life mean you're not worthy of a relationship with God. But there's a loving father full of grace and is ready to forgive and restore. Fresh hope, that verse talks about, to dig into the wisdom of the past. Never stop reading God's word because it's alive and it's active. You might look at some of the stories in, in the Old Testament. I've, there's, there's someone in my life, I won't name who, not from this church, but they, they don't bother with the Old Testament because it's, it's not relevant. They just look at the New Testament. Um, and I think, why? Because there's so much rich wisdom and glimpses of God's character with, within the Old Testament that give us fresh hope. Everything in the Bible is written to teach us and give us hope for the future. The next verse, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And again, this verse is talking about all scripture is God-breathed. It's essential for rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. 
Sometimes it's uncomfortable reading God's word when it points out things in our life that aren't pleasing to him. But it's filled with principles, instructions and examples to help us be fully equipped for the life we're called to live here on earth. And there's a really important reminder in that second part of the verse. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We're all called to serve God for the purpose of the kingdom, called to step out in faith and into our calling to do those good works. But here's a really important principle that sometimes I've overlooked within this verse. Be firm in the word of God and make it an anchor for your life as you step out in service for him. Proverbs 19 verse 2 links to this and it says, Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Just, just think about that. We need to know the word of God, who God is and who we are in God before we step out in service for him. Be firm in his word. I read a book a few years ago called Nevertheless by John Kirkby. I don't know, has anyone read that? I've got a copy. Um, I'll tell you a bit back before, but it was given out to um, people at one of the big church day outs, um, and I love a freebie, <laughs> so I did go and take one. Um, but in 1996, John Kirkby and his wife Lizzie felt God call them to help the poor and needy in their hometown of Bradford. Um, and John Kirkby gave up a very successful career in the finance sector um, and founded Christians Against Poverty from his spare room with just a donation of £10. Um, and the book provides this real honest and gritty account of what happened um, within Christians Against Poverty in the early days. Um, and the charity was regularly on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, the majority of this book is John and his wife worrying about how they were going to pay their staff because there was no money in the bank account. Um, but God always provided. Um, and Christians Against Poverty is, is now this huge international Christian charity um, which runs a network of centres um, in partnership with local churches across the UK, Australia and New Zealand. Um, and I'd really recommend this book. I've bought it, so in case anyone wants to borrow it, you're more than welcome. It, it, it's a really good read. Um, and it shows how God can do amazing things if people step out in faith with a nevertheless attitude and hold firm to God's promises that, that he will provide. But the, the biggest thing within this book, for me personally, is how grounded John and his team were in the word of God. And, and it, it sustained their faith and it propelled them to push further in their calling so don't underestimate the importance of God's word when you step out to serve him. Like I said, if anyone wants to borrow this off me and read it, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, the last verse um, for this bit is James 1, verse 22 to 24, and it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. So don't just read and, and listen to the word, but live and breathe it. The power of God's scripture doesn't come just by hearing it, but it also comes by living it out in our created identity. When, when I read this verse, I think about all the times I've come back from work um, or, or school with something in my teeth or food on my face, um, and no one's ever told me. I don't know if that's ever happened to anyone else. It happened to me a few weeks ago, actually, um, where I went for a Chinese with some friends and came home and I had peaking sauce all up my cheek and, and absolutely no one had told me. That's something Becky Patton would do. Becky Patton's laughing. Um, Becky wouldn't tell me, I know she wouldn't. Um, 
But I recall this happening many times to me. <laughs> I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if I've just got terrible friends <laughs> um, that don't tell me when I've got food on my face. Um, but the end of this verse is making a really similar comparison to those moments by referring to God, God's word as a mirror. A mirror doesn't fix what needs fixing. It won't correct a blemish or remove peaking source from our face. It just shows us what needs fixing. And it relates to that verse in 2 Timothy that his word will point out what's wrong in our life and show us how to make that right. So anyone who simply reads God's word but does nothing about it, the Bible is saying you're just fooling yourself. We need to be living and breathing his word. So I want to move on to just some more verses that really talk about what does God's word say about our response and the importance of knowing his word. And I'd encourage you to just reflect on these as I read through them. Really think about how do they apply to your relationship with God and also your relationship with God's word. So I'll just read through these. Matthew 4, verse 4. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The importance of really living on every word of God. Our true sustenance comes from God and his word, which renews our mind. Matthew 13, verse 12, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Proverbs 18, verse 15, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Are you intelligent this morning? Does that describe you that you're always ready to learn about God? Are your ears always open for knowledge on a Sunday morning? Proverbs 15, verse 14, a wise person is hungry for knowledge. Proverbs 9, verse 10, knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And then Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And what that verse is really saying is blessed are those who love God's word. Blessed are those who are hungry for the knowledge of God. Blessed are those who stand firm in the truth that God's word carries life and strength. Those these verse talks about really just, I love that last one, hiding God's word in our heart like a precious treasure. It reminds us to hold close to God's word. So what's your response this morning? Are you open to growing in knowledge and understanding in 2024? I want us to just have a look at Genesis. Um, and again, I've put the passage on the next slide. And just to particularly the story of Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Eden. And just reading from Genesis 3, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and that you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So even in the third chapter of the Bible, there's a really important reminder to us all. Know God's word and stand firm in its truth. You know, Satan didn't attempt 
Adam and Eve to murder, to steal, or even lie. He tempted them to question the word of God. Just know that his tactics haven't changed today. One strategy of the enemy is to get you to question God's word, to doubt its relevance and application to your life. And you know, another common strategy that I've seen far too often um, is to influence Christians into thinking the Bible's not exciting. That it's a boring religious text that's full of rules for how we should live our life. And you know, over the many years of, of growing up in Sunday school at this church, of, of going on church holidays, of being part of the youth, I've had conversations with so many Christians who don't read the Word of God, who don't even have a desire to read God's Word. Or they just say they're too busy to find, to find time in their, their weekly calendar to spend time looking at the Bible. And this is a strategy of Satan. I want you to really understand that this morning. This is a huge strategy of the enemy because he panics at the thought of Christians who meditate in God's Word day and night. He hates the idea of Christians growing in their relationship with God, becoming stronger in their faith because they're having daily encounters with their Heavenly Father through the Word of God. This book is alive and it's active. And I really want to encourage you this year to get serious about reading the Word of God because it is powerful and it is transformational. And the enemy does not want you to think that this is an exciting book, that this is going to help you in your, in your life um, to overcome difficulties. This is a lamp to your feet that will guide your steps, that will guide um, everything that you seek to do and will help you overcome everything because it reveals the true nature of God and his love for you. Get serious about God's word. Know the enemy's strategies when it comes to the Bible because he will do everything he can to stop you from growing in the knowledge of God. I want to give a, a quick plug to Faith Builders. Um, many of you will know that we meet on a Tuesday at 7.30 and we spend time in God's word. Um, now, Tuesday nights were previously called Bethel Youth Tuesday evening and you'll all be aware the youth have grown up now. Um, it's now Faith Builders, which historically um, was the, the teens and, and young adults who stuck around on a, on a Sunday. Um, and again, we've, we've all grown much older. So Faith Builders is now a group of youthful adults. That's what I'm going to call us. We're youthful adults who meet on a Tuesday and get stuck into the Bible. And we talk about its application to our own lives. And I would argue that regardless of age, we all need to develop our faith. So if you are able to join, I'd really encourage you to do so. Joe's going to be starting um, a series this Tuesday um, for three weeks on Revelation. I think we came up with a strap line for it this morning, which is fresh revelations of Revelation. Um, so if you do want to join, you're more than welcome to do that. But Tuesday nights is where we get stuck into God's word. Part of the reason um, that Helen asked me to take a series is because um, I'd mentioned that I'd been taking a, a series at Faith Builders over the last year, which was really about returning to the joy of our salvation. Um, and I was particularly looking at hindrances to being joyful. Um, and I'd spent three weeks looking at that topic. Um, and when I was pulling all the messages together, my, my overarching conclusion was that you cannot expect to be joyful if you don't have a firm knowledge of God. Proverbs 2 verse 10 says, For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. So having a lack of knowledge and understanding of who God is will stop you from being joyful. Knowing God, knowing his ways, knowing who he is and how much he loves us should fill us with joy. 
Being in his presence should fill us with joy. Every sermon you hear spoken on a Sunday morning should fill you with joy because it's through hearing the word of God and putting that into practice that we continuously grow in our understanding and knowledge of who he is. Having a firm knowledge of God can stir up joy in our hearts, particularly in times of difficulty where things can be challenging, but if we hold firm to his promises and the truth in his word, we can be joyful through those. James 1 Verse 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my dear brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Another hindrance to joy that that I spoke about in that series was not having a firm knowledge of who we are in Christ can lead to many other things, such as comparison, doubt, and fear. And, And I just want to touch on two of those quickly. First is comparison. I think that's such a damaging tactic of the enemy. And there's that saying, isn't there, that comparison is the, is the thief of joy. And I think it's something that we can all struggle with. And in that series that we did on Faith Builders, we listed some of the things that we can struggle with. We spoke about looks, clothes, money, better careers, uh, cars, bigger houses, all those. We can think things that we focus on are material possessions. One thing that, that I struggled with growing up was people who had nicer families <laughs> and just a functioning family. That was something that I used to actively compare myself to. We can compare ourselves to people who are married, who are in relationships, who have children at church. We can compare ourselves to those who have visible roles. Um, we can feel less content with the talents that God has given us for his service. But 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. When you start comparing yourself to others, the Bible says you're without understanding, that you're lacking that knowledge and awareness of who God is and who he says you are in him. And I just want to remind you of of some of the things that God says you are and what you have in Christ this morning. You're a new creation. You're his masterpiece. You are complete in him. You are a child of God. Jonah's got that on his T-shirt this morning. Um, A child of God. You are dearly loved by God. You are blessed, chosen, called. You're set free. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are free from condemnation. You are healed by his wounds. You are alive with Christ. You are joint heirs with Christ. Want some more? You are a citizen of heaven. You, are, you can do all things. You are victorious. You are under his grace. You are strong in the Lord. You are never alone. You were bought with a high price and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because of those things, you can have hope, redemption, forgiveness, love, grace, the presence and power of God in your life, an eternal inheritance, a home in heaven, everything you need for a godly life. 24-7 access to a heavenly father who desires to have a relationship with you, who desires to hear your prayers and wants to bless you abundantly. I'll stop there, but I could go on. I can't stress how important it is as Christians to anchor yourself in the word of God and stand firm in who he says you are. So make it a priority this year to grow in knowledge and understanding. Get serious about reading his word and applying it in your life. Paul, writing to the Philippians, says in in 1 verse 9, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more 
with knowledge and discernment. Again, a really important reminder there that if we're to grow in love for one another, we need to have knowledge and discernment. If we truly desire to grow our knowledge and understanding of God, it needs to happen on three levels. Um, and the first is intellectual. And that seems like some people don't want to describe themselves as an intellectual or, or intelligent, but it needs to happen on an intellectual level. Let's recognize that actually growing in knowledge and understanding, it will start out as an intellectual pursuit where you need to engage your minds and process information about who God is. But if we only focus on that intellectual level, we'll never move beyond that understanding. And a really good example of that in God's word is the Pharisees. They were great at quoting scripture and the laws of God, but they missed the point completely when it came to who Jesus was. So that's why we also need to engage with God on an experiential level. You've got to experience who God is. And the third is spiritual, and that's where true fellowship and communion will happen with God. So to truly grow in knowledge and understanding this year, you've got to spend time in the word. You've got to spend time in worship, spend time in prayer, and a really important one, spend time with other Christians learning from one another. Growing in the knowledge and understanding of God is, is not a one-time event. It needs to be a lifelong pursuit. So don't be complacent with, with where you're at in your understanding of God. It's up to you how much you want to learn um, and know about God and who he says you are. And you might not think after hearing me today that you don't need to know much more. Um, or even after today, you might not have a desire to, to read God's word. But know that God is waiting to sit with you and show you great things but you've got to make time for him. And when you do, I promise that you'll begin to grow and understand the amazing nature of God and who you are in Christ. And I promise you'll look back and know that it is time well spent. So that's part one. Um, and I could have spoke ages on this because I really believe that God wants us to get to grips with how important his word is. But I pray that you'll be challenged, pray that you'll be encouraged, but really go away and reflect on how much do you prioritize God's word in your life? And make it a real priority this year to grow in that knowledge and understanding of who he is because it's going to have a huge impact on every other aspect in your life. Um, like I said, if anyone wants to read this book, come and grab it off me after. It, I'd recommend reading that. Um, but be blessed and look forward to bringing part two next week. Thank you.